Today, we're going to talk about being bipolar. I grew up with family members dealing with depression, and I thought I knew that world. But when you grow up around that, you've only seen half. In the past months, I've gotten to know Edith, who is the producer of Naked Onion Mystery Tours. We know each other only through social media and through podcasting together. She is bipolar, and she is going to share her experiences with us to help us understand the world of being bipolar. If you think you know, you don't. I learned a lot, and I'm hoping that this experience will help you see and also understand. So I do recommend that you listen. You're going to laugh and you might cry. So I bring you Edith, the producer from Naked Onion Mystery Tours. Enjoy. Gosh, I'm doing good now. Oh my gosh. It's what been happened? Crazy. What was going on? I heard about a drill and some dogs and <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm all set up. And then they started drilling into a wall. I'm like, okay. <laughs> uh, how many how many screws is that gonna take? So all right. Then there was slamming doors because of the garage doors right here. And then the dogs, of course, with the drill and and so I thought, okay, I as soon as I started dialing your number, the cat started. Ah! <laughs> That's awesome. That's so, the best look. Animals, oh. you can't get mad at that. man. No, you just got to wait. And I did. Mm -hmm. I was like, go ahead and eat, Lucy. Go ahead and eat. That's so <laughs> funny. I'm in her domain right now. So. Uh, where's her domain are you in the, like a hall closet or something well no uh my my daughter and her boyfriend bought a house so you know my daughter got impatient she started like like tearing stuff up and you know and I so love my, it. i know she's like i don't like this and she would just tear things up and so my husband got here and like he's he's putting sheet rock in and he was putting in the dryer and of course the back of the wall of the dryer was all messed up. So that took a lot of, of, you know, you need to move things out of the way. So I found that the bathroom has a closet and the closet was emptied because, you know, the, the person who lived here, you know, moved their stuff, but my daughter didn't move her stuff in yet because they had just tiled the whole bedroom. So nice. the cat, I know. And so the cat and her little, her little home and her tower are right here. And as soon as I dialed the first three digits, I hear, I was like, of course, you, of course you're eating right now. Yeah. <laughs> Animals are the best. They, they are. are. Yeah. And they for a while, think better. they do. I mean, we had yeah. six dogs here. Uh, I have my three. My daughter has two. But she was helping her friend with a, a dog named 
Achille, but that dog looked like a Kiki to me. And so every, you know, everywhere we were, it was like, oh, look, Kiki, there's Kiki. And she was the oldest dog. She's seven years old. So she's 50 as a dog. And so I was like, oh, yeah. yeah. So she, I, I, I am excited that I'm going to do a series on the 12 days of Christmas and they're all going to be about Kiki. <laughs> oh, that's fun. Oh my God. That's fun. Yeah. Love, I just, yeah. I love your content. It's really good. Oh, thanks. You know, um, I'm going to, I'm going to tell everyone it was, I was going down a certain way and then um, I had you give me some feedback and uh, I just decided, yes, I was scared about doing things differently, but um, I started doing things differently with fear and I'm okay. (laughs) Like handling it different, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's like, you mess up and you mess up, big deal, you know, keep going we're all human. We all do, you know, I make mistakes and, and people I think are okay with that. Nobody's looking for perfection in a podcast. They know anymore. Yeah. Look any more. I mean, Mm -hmm. it comes with time Mel and my belief for you and, and this podcast is that, uh, you are going, it's going, you're going to develop with your craft. Yeah. The yeah. more you do it, the better you will be. Okay. Yeah. Rome wasn't built in a day and everyone <laughs> knows that. And everybody just wants a little empathy. Right. Even the people that sound off, I'm realizing they just, maybe they don't think they're enough or whatever. And, or maybe they don't think anybody's going to listen and they pop off. Yeah. I've seen you know that. What I mean, or, yeah. or like me being bipolar. Mm-hmm. I'll see something, attach my meaning to it, and react to the meaning that's in my mind. Yeah. So on that note, I I think I need to introduce myself. I was just going to say, and these words are coming from, we will, let me introduce you. This is Edith, the producer from Naked Onion Mystery Tours. She is the... I'm going to say part of the powerhouse that is um, this whole um, podcast that is is women. And I always say it's for women, for women. But I know you always say, go for it. For women, by women, about women. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a podcast that centers around all that is woman. And... We're taking a deep dive on every every little thing that we can possibly think of that relates to women. And women as a whole, we're considered an underdog. Yeah. Okay. And that's where we're start. All of us are starting off. So we're starting off in the negative and now we've got to pull ourselves up and be in the positive. And so that's what the Naked Onion Mystery Tours podcast is about. And it's you mel the podcaster Mm -hmm. um the past level 50 host producer and then (laughs) we have kitty rebellion of kitty rebellion podcast and she's a host and producer of that and then we have coach kitty that is just coach man amazing athlete yes she's the she hulk of our whole (laughs) yes 
our whole posse that we've got mm-hmm. going on. And, and I swear it's almost, it's every podcast. She is like, she does something, whether it's jumping on somebody's car and letting <laughs> them know you shouldn't be doing this shit that you're doing or, or she's in a bookstore and, or a drugstore and she runs into a narcissist and she yeah. holds him accountable for his bullshit behavior. I mean, yeah. and she, look, she's just that little voice that just goes from zero to 50 and just shows you mm-hmm. who she is. So, right away. Exactly. Yeah, right away. Yeah. So we're the voices and we're trying to be the friend parent to women they didn't have when they were growing up. The friend parent, because you, like I was saying, uh, without the three of you, I would be doing this woman's shit by myself. And it wouldn't that be funny? Any fun. <laughs> yeah. No. Look. So you, you definitely have a flavor going there, Mel. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, it's just, it, it's been um, a rough week and uh, only because we, my husband and I traveled, but it's, um, they're doing a lot of physical work um, around here, and I don't I don't do much of the up and down of climbing stairs, but I can clean a refrigerator out and get some deposit money back when when we need that done. So I like that I can do that kind of stuff, and I'd like to say that I'm here um, for you three, and I just this morning, um, I. I didn't answer the, I didn't hear the phone. I don't have my phone ringing at night. And the first thing I looked at was that you had called and for you to call me directly and not just leave a text or something. It was like, "Mm -hmm." so I called you back. And then I realized after we hung up that you had actually left a message. So um, I just wanted you to know with everything that happened recently with um, passing of a really good friend of mine that I used to work with, I, my goal uh, for this Thanksgiving is to be there for my friends more than I have in the past. So I will say you are the beginning of that uh, focus. Thank you. uh, I'm here for you. Yeah. For whatever you need. And uh, today I I feel like whatever, what we're going to talk about will also be um, a learning experience for me because I need to understand, and, and I've always said, I know I'm not alone. And so I feel that with this journey that you're going to explain to us, I'm going to learn. And I've, I'm hoping that uh, people out there will start to understand what it is and everything in the world of bipolar. And I, I appreciate you so much because you have to be open to listening and because not a lot of people understand what bipolar is they don't want to listen yeah and and it's either because they'll resonate with the symptoms and they're in denial about them and that's a perfectly healthy place for them to be in their own minds which is narcissism or it's just because there's not a lot people don't know a lot about it and it varies from person to person. Not each person is going to have this. I mean, they're going to have similar symptoms, mania and depression. Okay. But it's going to vary. Some people aren't going to have as bad symptoms, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. 
And what are these symptoms that um, to look out for as, as women and in our lives? I, I know I experienced uh, with a grandmother, a great grandmother and, a, and my mother with having depression. And I know a little bit about those symptoms, but I don't understand the whole realm of uh, bipolar. And, and it, and this has been recent for me. And this isn't, this is something you have to be willing or, looking within yourself is really hard to mm-hmm. do, to just sit there and you just hold a mirror up to your emotions and you look at them and you address each one because Bipolar, the definition, definite, there's so many different varying definitions of bipolar, but just the general bipolar is mania and depressive episodes. Mm -hmm. And you can have one, you can have one mania session and then a, a depressive episode immediately after that. And then for some people, they have them one after another, which I've had. Um, when I was in Turks and Caicos mm-hmm. um, recently, I had one bipolar episode after another. And you're literally in a state of fear and you never come out of it. You you can't regulate your emotions. And, you know, it, it comes across as the absolute truth because... If I'm in a place of fear, if I'm in a place of, I feel like I can't get out of here and I have no help, I will snap. Mm. Okay. Um, like I told my husband, you know, I was in Turks and Caicos. He was very, he wasn't helpful mm-hmm. at, because he just isn't good at taking care of people. And instead of, he can't identify that. He doesn't know that he's, Mm -hmm. he's a little narcissistic. He's a, he's a man, (laughs) you know? And he's like, well, what do you want me to do about it? And I said, buy me a fucking plane ticket. Get me out of here. Yeah. (laughs) So, so you have to be a pretty strong person to be around me Mm -hmm. because if I'm in this place, Seeing a narcissistic person isn't strong at all, Mm-mm. even though it seems like they are because they hold all the control of everything because that's a whole nother story. Yeah. They have to be strong because you have to be able to go to yourself. Oh, hey, she's she's having one of these moments where she feels unsafe. It's not about me. But they don't see it like that. Mm-mm. And they take it personally and then it's a fight. Yep. So on top of your episode, then you have an argument and then their ego and it's just, it doesn't end. Mm-mm. I see it's, that. Yeah. So it's just easier for me to be in my room. Like after I'm, <laughs> I'm done with work and, and stuff that it's just easier for me to come in my room and I'm an artist. Yeah. First and foremost, during the day I'm a nurse, but I'm an artist and Mm -hmm. podcasting is my thing and I love women and they are so misunderstood, you know, because a lot of them are like me. 
and they have to be when they're when they're look you you like a man you love him but you can't be with him because he won't recognize either in hormones look hormones mm. can upset <laughs> me my in my bipolar okay so if my hormones aren't regulated then my bo- bipolar is off the charts pms yeah you know it's it's a horrible place to be in yeah and then your diet on top of that yeah you now triggers you know yeah see oh, see so how much. you see all, all the connections yeah right and then um you know, if I could add on to that, my relationship with my parents, I was a misunderstood child. Mm-hmm. So they would tell me things like, um, you know, you can you can manipulate a person by suggesting something that they're not feeling. So let's say you know, are you angry? And let's say I'm not like, I'm not showing the physical signs of anger, but you know, you keep saying, well, are you angry? And then I'm, I say, well, what do you mean? Well, you seem angry. Yeah. But I'm not angry, but you, you really do. Do you hear yourself? And so then, but you, then you are angry. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, I see that happening. You see how manipulative that is? Yeah, it is. I, and I remember that, you know, it's like, why are you mad? It's like, I'm not mad, but, but you're acting mad. It's like, and so they, it, you end up there. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like a manifestation that they're leading you towards. <laughs> exactly. And they're not aware of it. Yeah. And I'll have friends do that, like, and here, here's another thing, their intention, I don't know what their intention is, and I should be more direct, like, hey, what is your intention with what you're saying? So I understand. And um, I had this one girlfriend who just complained all the time about this guy she was dating, nonstop complaining, complaining, compl- well, he was poly amorous which mm-hmm. i'm pan so i understand what what they're going through poly people they want to have more than one partner but they don't know how to do it without manipulating it's supposed to be like this agreement and but then codependency slips in it's 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 awful so here he is she's she's very insecure and she's dating a polyamorous guy yeah. And he finally got to the point where he stopped talking about his other partners because she would just keep getting mad. Yeah. And I would, she would tell me all of this stuff and tell me she burst into tears and jumped in her car and drove home and had all these explosive episodes. Mm-hmm. And she didn't see that to me, it looked like narcissistic personality disorder. Wow. Okay. You're trying to manipulate this guy. Mm-hmm. That looks you, like you're, it. You're not, you're not hearing. He's being honest with you. He told you he was polyamorous. And you want him to be monogamous, but you're doing it under the guise of, hey, I'm totally cool that you're poly. 
but yeah. yet you're you're clearly not and i i told her that and she lost her shit on me <laughs> <laughs> you're not playing my game is what she's telling you well i can't yeah i'm bipolar right mm-hmm. my realities have to stay strong because if they don't then then i start doing some really weird shit mm-hmm. you know i have to i have to be truthful with myself there's no choice yeah because i because i'm trying to function out here in society so when you talk about function in society okay so let's for example um you're going when you go through something and you're triggered and you're in an episode can you still work? I mean, is it something that you're, are you functioning or are you functioning on autopilot? What is it? Wow. That's a good question. Cause I, I had to, I had to deal with that. I recently in the job. I, okay. So a little bit about me, I have been a nurse for 15 years. I started out as a home health aide and you know, I, you know, before that I wanted to be something entirely different, but my mom and wanted me to do something mm-hmm. respectable with my life. And yeah. nursing was what she agreed to. And I had so many doctor friends telling my parents the same shit, you know, you know, she should be a doctor or she should be a nurse or something, you know? And, uh, so there's that. Yeah. That's, that's, manipulation too yeah yes yeah my mom was a narcissist so Mm -hmm. um i had a narcissistic mother so look at my reality like i wanted to be not a uh i wanted to do graphics design i really i was really into pixar before pixar was even pixar Mm -hmm. but she didn't foster that behavior she didn't understand it yeah mm -mm, she did not they were really abusive to me and they screamed a lot. And because I had, I, cause I have autism, bipolar disorder, and I found out recently that I'm neurodivergent. So <laughs> this is all a lot for me mm-hmm. to handle. And, um, but with my mom, she didn't see, see, I was happy. I was a happy kid and they thought there was something wrong with me. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I didn't fear enough. Okay. I was Mm -hmm. fearless. I would do things like, you know, I just would do paint things. Yeah. This stuff I painted, she hated because she said, um, if, if if a doctor saw it, I would need to be locked up. Oh my God. Like that. Yes. Yeah. So they worked very hard to deprogram me. So I had to start acting. Yes. There's a mask. Mm -hmm. You had to put on the mask for them. Yeah. Be who they wanted you to be. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, my behaviors would come out the manic, Mm -hmm. the explosiveness, the uncontrol. I didn't have control over my emotions. So I got beaten for that. Um, if I didn't react a certain way to them, you know, I would get, I would get spanked if I didn't say things a certain way. Um, 
you know, and that all comes around to the job. Okay. Mm-hmm. So recently I had, I've been, been eating really bad. It's the holidays. Yeah. It's the freaking holidays. And pumpkin <laughs> is my jam. Anything with pumpkin spice in it, I'm all about. Yeah. So I started eating really bad and didn't recognize the mania. I didn't, I didn't recognize it because. Did it creep not, up on you or it was did it slow? Okay. okay. Slow. Yeah, really slow. And that's when the mania and all that starts when the codependency starts. Like, what do you mean by what you're saying? Mm -hmm. I don't understand you. Yeah. You know, um, why, why? Lots of whys reflecting and um, more narcissism Mm -hmm. than anything. And so my boss has kind of been up my ass. Yeah checking up on me and and all of the what are you doing what do you mean what am I doing what are you doing (laughs) I'm working (laughs) yeah see that's how (laughs) whatever I want yeah exactly that's the mania right like what 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 the fuck you gonna do to me you're not gonna Mm -hmm. do nothing to me yeah Um, yeah and so yeah so she did a ride along and like all kinds of weird shit Mm -hmm. and then like a couple of Saturdays, like she told me, she looked me in the face. I think she knew who I was. Uh oh. <laughs> I think she recognized the mania. How do you? Did. What do you think she saw? Um. The, uh, the questions, the deflecting. Okay. I think the that's deflect. what it was. Yeah. You know that made yeah. her suspect of something. Yeah. So. She's like, you can tell me, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So I called her one Sunday and I was in tears. And I just said that my bipolar has not given me any rest. And I just started crying. And she said, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay, and I get it, or as in nothing. Yep, I'm stepping away. I'm good. Okay, see you tomorrow. Uh, That's stepping away, isn't it? Isn't that the same? No, 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 no. Okay, no, because when you're talking to somebody with a mental illness, the Mm -hmm. less you say when they're in a manic episode, the better. Okay, you see, I didn't know that. Yeah, not know that. The less you say, we, all of us would be in such better shape if we just shut the fuck up and listen. <laughs> That's right. right. Yeah. Here. I'm here. I hear you. Okay. That's good to, to know. I mean, we know it, but do we practice it? I'm going to say, no, I don't. I'm, I want to know. It's like, what's wrong? Are you okay? Tell me I'm here. And, you know, and it, it's hard to, to step back. And just listen. Well, yeah, it's like Mm -hmm. I'm learning about narcissists, okay? Mm -hmm. They're not all bad. Yes, is their behavior abusive? Yes, if you stay. If you stay. (laughs) If you fucking stay, it is. Yeah. I love, I look, I told you before, I love my husband Mm -hmm. from over here. 
Yeah. But because I'm bipolar, the way he reacts to me, I'm reliving childhood abuse over and over and over and over again. With the way he uh, acts towards you or yeah, Okay. Yeah. With his reaction, Mm -hmm. both of us staying in our lane and not being codependent. Okay. Okay. All right. If he can't stay in his lane, Mm -mm. he has to be codependent on my manic explosive episode that I had on the phone. Mm hmm. And he made it about him. So now he wants to put me in somewhere and punish me. Because he said, okay, you know, uh, you know, when I miss my plane, he's like, okay, I'm not coming to pick you up. And I'm going to leave Thurston and he'll be okay. And I'll talk to you later. Wow. Yep. So my dog was here for nine hours by himself I had to get a neighbor come to let him out and um and then my BFF Frankie came to pick me up at the airport yeah but me be if if I could have stayed in my lane and not been codependent on his bullshit then it would have been fine but emotionally because of all my pain bodies that I was inflicted as a child that's one of those things that's a trigger for me and he chooses not to fix any of it or listen or communicate or Mm -hmm. accept me or any of it so i'm gonna stay over here yeah where it's safe in my corner sometimes we learn that i think as a defense method uh to Okay, fine. You 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 learn to take care of yourself, even though that's not what you need at the moment. Right. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So the symptoms that. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna say uh, I've I've known you for a few months, and um, the I I wouldn't say that I was ever questioning anything. And I'm wondering, uh, is this a normal thing to to put the mask on so that you can function? Um, I know that when we meet, you know, you're always the same Edith. And until, um, which it was like two weeks ago when you were not there. And, and that's when I knew that you were not feeling well. But I feel that you went, you know, full throttle with all of us. Until you just couldn't go anymore. Is this, is this another part of it? It's um, so I'm not when I'm with you guys, I'm not wearing that mask. Okay. I mean, I could let the mask down a little more, I think, with my jokes and stuff. But I still I still have I'm a little apprehensive. Okay because it is the beginning of our show and um, there have been some concerns expressed about me and the direction or not necessarily me, but just the direction of where the podcast is going to go. Okay. So that being said, bipolar people aren't really careful. Okay. We're not. So yeah. I'm willing to take risks that no one else will. 
And I think you and I've discussed this before that that's, I'm a risk taker. I it's, it's what I do on the daily. I mean, I do wound care on the side of the road. <laughs> I mean, I can do, I could sew somebody back up in eh, 15 to 30 minutes and I'm not yeah. an abdominal wound. I've seen some things that will make your hair go white. Yeah. I've had to do things that would make you throw up. Mm-hmm. So I mean, the average person couldn't handle what I see on the, on a daily basis. So no wonder I have so, so much shit going on with my brain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? But I see the, the similarity there. It's some, this, your strength of being able to do this and having no fear is what your mother saw was your weakness. Right. That oh. I'm fostering that aspect mm-hmm. of me now. Yeah. She's gone. Mm-hmm. She died. Yeah. And I I had somebody, a good friend, tell me that I picked her for a reason. I picked her. Mm-hmm. And that makes me feel better to know that I did that. And now that I'm meeting more and more people who have narcissism or a narcissistic characteristic or which we're all able to have, but some have more than others. Mm -hmm. And we interviewed one and you weren't present. Mm -mm. (laughs) Right. Mm -mm. So I'm able to see those people. (laughs) Yeah. You can, you you can spot them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we all can, but it's like, like me, I avoid them. And you, you're like, come here, let's, let's, let's kick talk. At you. Let's talk. You know, I'm like, yeah. no, no, I don't want to. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. No, you're right. But mm-hmm. it, like the bipolar in me, that's the cool thing about my brain. And I think that's why I can love anybody. Like yeah. anybody, you know, I had a 25 year old ask me if I could ever love a young black man. And I looked at him and I said, why not? Yeah. <laughs> how I mean, young? How <laughs> would I be losing out? <laughs> well, I'm 53 and mm-hmm. he's 25. So you, what is that? Yeah. Two that's, that's years? Young. I don't know. <laughs> right? That's nothing. <laughs> I could do that as long as I didn't have to be anybody's mother. Right. Yeah. So. And there are some young guys out there that that's, they don't know it, but that's what they're looking for. Look, can I tell you what I was thinking about? Now, this is, this is the Edith that we all know and love. Okay. You ready? (laughs) Story time. All right. So we're going to talk about the Oedipus complex. Mm -hmm. Okay. And how men have been trying to have those men, they, they're pointing themselves out. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. The ones that wants someone young like a porn star, but treats them like their mother did. Yes. That's the Oedipus complex. Yep. They're all trying to get back into their mother's womb. Mm-hmm. It's very sad. Mm-hmm. And it's sad because we 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 know about them, but now we see them all over social media. Right. Now it's like, what? That's one right there. And it's like, they don't know. But, you know, us over here, women, we know. And, and they, don't, they don't know 
what they, they are doing. don't know how mm-hmm. unhealthy they are. No. Because they're so deep inside their own lie mm-hmm. that they're living it nonstop every day. It, look, those people, they have a mental disorder. And I, of course, I can't diagnose every single person. But <laughs> when you get somebody who's extreme about anything, when they have to say it over and over and over and over to themselves again and again and again, it's because they're making it a belief. Mm-hmm. You have to make, I already believe my shit, honey. I don't need to, <laughs> I don't need to go over to, you know, I, yeah. I, I don't need to teach anyone a lesson or no. get them to see my point of view or, I don't have to have a million followers like Andrew Tate. I don't need that. What I need for me to know at the end of the day that I've done a good job. Yeah. And it's usually for women. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Just one woman. Just, I just want one woman to look me in the face and say, you made a difference by telling it, telling the story or, um, this experience or, you know, or yeah. you, you worked so hard on this podcast, I can tell. And, you know, and then they feel connected in some way because they know that you put your love into it. Yeah. And they feel a part of themselves because I know that I was always taught my great grandmother, whenever anyone was going through anything, she would always say, no eres la última, no eres la primera. She would always say, you're not the first to, do, to deal with this and you're not the last. And she would right. always say that with everything. And, and as I got older, it was like I would like heart, heartache, I would, a heartbreak. I would talk to her and she was like, you know, I know you feel like you're the only one dealing with this, but everybody goes through it. And so you've, you're like, but nobody understands. You know, you deal with that. And it's right. Like, and and it, anytime I feel that nobody knows what I'm going through it's like girl girl if you only knew and and so when people yeah when they explain that you know you don't understand you know and I feel that generation z feels that because because my daughter is one and I have heard those words come out of her mouth and I've I've had to tell her over and over you're not the first to deal with this and you're not going to be the last you know and we, that means only that we're all here to help each other. That's the other side of it. It's like, okay, how do you take that further? And, and I feel that with, with you sharing this, with us when we talk, there is no way to feel alone. And if there's women out there that can feel any just inkling of help with their story, with what they hear with us, then we've done our job. Oh my God, that's all I want. Mm-hmm. It, all I want for women is I was in this very low vibing, low resonating place. Like this, this, uh, my, my first real boyfriend who was a doctor, really, he said, you are just so naive, aren't you? Like, like I hadn't lived any life. I was 20 something years old, Twenty. I think we were, I was 25 when we met and 28 when we broke up and 
I hadn't lived any life. I hadn't been to school. I didn't have any experiences. My mom did not foster. She taught me learned helplessness. Mm-hmm. Okay. She fostered helplessness in me. If I had a symptom, she took me to the doctor. Mm-hmm. And I almost feel like if she had just done the research on her own, gone to the library or something, she would could have figured it out. Yeah. But my mom was helpless because her mom was a narcissist and taught codependency. Mm-hmm. And it, 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 it was just really, really for any child to have this kind of start in life, especially when you're autistic and you're and you're bipolar. And your mother teaches you nothing. She doesn't teach you to wipe your ass. She doesn't teach you to brush your teeth. She doesn't Mm. teach you to do your hair. Um, My mom didn't teach me anything. Wow. I don't remember her ever sitting down and having a conversation with me about anything. Mm -hmm. And she didn't help me with my homework. So honestly, I, I, I didn't move out of my mom's house until I met my, my boyfriend that was a doctor. Wow. Okay. And he was as abusive as her. Mm-hmm. So he would get drunk and then talk to me like I was garbage. And I put up with it because I didn't have to be with my mother. And it was, yeah. And it's like, why well, go from there to it's the same thing. Is it's just in different form, mm-hmm. more abuse. Yep, but you got sex. That was the good part. There of it. you go. Yeah, angry <laughs> <laughs> makeup sex. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But oh. she was a big part of it, and mm-hmm. and the and there were times that she would actually listen to me because I would go to the club to get relief. I would dance and I would drink and I, I didn't do drugs because Mm -hmm. I didn't like how those made you feel. And the alcohol, I didn't know how to medicate with that. I would always over drink and then make myself sick and then get raped or show, you know, some Mm -hmm. shit would happen. Yeah. And, And it, I didn't know what I was doing. So the abuse just was not, has been nonstop my whole life. And I, and it, it, it may have changed the tone or the volume of it, but it's still abuse at the end of the day, because if someone is, is with you and they don't accept you for who you are and they secretly are picking your body apart or doing something that's, you know, that's control. Like I, with my husband, it would always be, yeah, I'll be there on Sunday and then he wouldn't show up. Mm, Oh, I forgot. I was with a friend, you know, that's, that's how he would control me. Yeah. You know, and until you say to that person, okay, I'm not reacting to your shit anymore. I'm not accepting it. I, I would try to accept it but it's just not working for me. Mm-mm. It's not how I do other people. I don't make them sit and wait and don't contact them. Or, or if my friend tells me they need me, I'm there. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I'm not punishing them for that. Okay. Call me when you're more sane. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't understand this. Call me later. <laughs> right. I, I would take that over. I'm not coming to get you. Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm going to leave your dog that you cherish. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Like today, I didn't, I, I, it wasn't today. It was uh, when we recorded um, without you that day. And I, I wanted, since then, I wanted to understand what you were going through. And I just, um, I don't know. I don't know if I've had friends or family that have had to deal with being bipolar. Um, as a teacher, I've seen it, but you know, you see something small scale on a, on a five-year-old, six-year-old mm-hmm. and it's different. It's a different type thing. And, and it's, you know, as a teacher, you can be more controlling of the environment. You know, and if the something gets out of hand, you call the parents and the parents know what's going on and they will come get their child right. because the child they understand they, their child is would be better in in their home environment. I didn't understand. And there's two children now that I do know they were dealing with something and I didn't know how to handle it. And I, I just um, it was early in my career and, you know, I was not very helpful which happens right like I can't fault people for not understanding my brain Mm -hmm. but I sure can avoid the ones who don't try yeah that's yeah Mm -hmm. and I guess that's why I feel comfortable taking care of my patients because I see their behaviors like you'll you'll have family members screaming screaming at their demented grandmother mm-hmm. I've, I I went to Publix one day I'm dressed in my scrubs and this kid is screaming at his elderly 90 year old grandmother telling her to fucking move faster he's got mm-hmm. shit he's got to do yeah. and you know I walked up to him and I said how would you like me to take her cell phone and call your mother hmm <laughs> how would you feel about that yeah And I said, I'm watching you. And if I see you talk to her that way again, you're in big shit. That's what I told him. That's elderly abuse. It is. It could be reported for that. It is. But yet, yet it fucking happens. Yeah. And, and I'll be somewhere and I'll watch all these people watching the same fucking thing, but I'm the bipolar one and I have to like. I have to, I like my truth. I have to be hard in it. Yeah. Because I will go toe to toe with a 300 pound, six foot four man. Mm-hmm. If I see him touch a hair on an yeah. elderly woman's head, cat scratch, cat scratch fever. Fever. Yes. Is man. what he's going to fucking have. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I mean, and that's, that's the thing being bipolar. It's like it, it, uh, your mind is aware. That's why the depression. Okay. Okay. Your mind is so you're, you either go one way or the other. You're so narcissistic. You're so indrawn to yourself and your depression. And it's all about you. 
or you're so empathetic that you're concerned about everyone else and oh, not yourself. Yeah. Wow. And I'm the, the, the second one. Okay. I'm always concerned about everyone else's well-being before my own. Mm-hmm. And does it help if someone tells you to, um, that you, you know, like to remind you, hey, you, you can't save everyone or uh, why don't you let go of some of this responsibility? Does that help or does that hurt you? Um, if you pose it in such a way that is... I'm, uh, it's going to be like this with, with bipolar because you don't want to be suggestive or you don't want to be manipulative. Right. Right. So you're going to say, I'm doing this for you now. I have to do this for you now. Like if, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm cutting bread, you're like, no, I I need to do this for you now. Mm -hmm. Okay. Someone let someone else do this for you. Okay. okay. Right. So I'm, I'm going to cut this bread for you, or I'm going to, um, walk the dog for you. Mm-hmm. I can, I can see you need a minute. The dog needs walking. Cause that always calms me down. I don't know yeah. why. Yes. I'm going to go walk the dog for you or something selfless, mm-hmm. something that isn't selfish. That isn't like, well, wow, look at you. Taking it all on. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. You yeah. see how that goes? Mm-hmm. Wow, wow, it's different. Mm-hmm. Boy, you you're anxious. Yeah, you that's di- yeah. Those are fighting words when you're in that state. Yeah, yeah. Because I don't understand, and it's just a shortcut to get to to where they need to be. Like my husband needed needed to be away from my energy, mm-hmm. but he couldn't say that. Yeah. So how did it look when he pulled the rug out from under me? Yeah. It looked like a dick move, didn't it? It did. Because but... he, because he couldn't use his words. Mm-mm. It's no. the gaslighting. I can't, I can't deal with it. My mom may have meant well, but it's, it's, you know, I can only handle the truth. Mm-hmm. So let's say my, my cat died. Okay. And my mom says, Oh, I am like, where's Peppy? Oh, he ran away. He's 21 years old. Mm-mm. 21. Yeah. My fucking cat was 21. She told me he ran away. Do you know that I looked for that cat oh, for no. like 15 years? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't know that cats lived <laughs> not as long 14 as years or whatever, but I'm still looking, still looking. We're Do you see looking. what I mean? Do you see yes. how, how she meant well, but she told me a lie so she wouldn't have to deal with my emotions. Right. I have an aunt like that. She, you know, my mom was on her deathbed. And my mom, everyone's coming to see her at the ICU before she, you know, passed away. And and she goes and she's like, she's like, I am going to die. And she's like, no, you're not. No, you're stop saying that. And it was like, um, we're, I'm looking at her like she's, you know, let my mom handle it her way. 
you know? Right. And here she's like shutting her up on her deathbed to quit saying that because uh, it's not true. And it was like, my mother's speaking her truth at this moment. And my aunt could not handle it. Do you see how selfish see, that is? I see how selfish she was being. Yeah. She That's does not it all your reality. Mm-mm. That's the, you're, you're laying on the, it doesn't matter. Give the woman the last 30 minutes of her life. Mm-hmm. However she wants to paint that picture. That is her picture. Yeah. Okay. So for me, <clears throat> What I do is I put myself in a place of love. Okay. Whenever I go through an episode, like it's been off and on since Sean, since I was in Turks and Caicos, since I I separated from my ex-husband, I have little, little episodes where I get triggered. Mm -hmm. And you want to know what the biggest trigger is? What is it? narcissism yeah procrastination mm-hmm. lying manipulation like it, it no no matter how benign it is i can see it for what it is yeah because i've had to be really black and white about my reality wow does that make any sense? I it know? really does. I mean, as you know, we we all have to deal with all of those. But, th- you know, I, I know I've, I've seen, I've heard the lies, I've seen the manipulation. And we just, we're like, yeah, okay, you know, and move on. But whereas something like that is triggering mm-hmm. to what you go through, I can see that being, you know, tenfold more um, effective towards you. Uh, mm-hmm. I see that. Okay. Yeah. And think of it. So an abuser might not even know he's an abuser. Even a woman can be a, an abuser. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. When you're insecure, you will say and do things that become such a habit that you don't even recognize that you're doing it. Yeah. You know, so in the case of um, me, my husband w- said to me one time, he goes, if you would just change, we would be okay. Mm-hmm. And now mm-hmm. it's like, I'll, I'll have, I'll say that he said that and he'll say, I'll never, I've never said that. I've never said that. Yes. Yep. Yeah. They, I've never yeah. said that. And, you know, I think that comes with, uh, oh, there's the drill. I know it's loud, but I'm going to apologize for the sounds around here. This is life in this house. So <laughs> that's okay. But, but you know, um, men, and I'm going to say the men I've known, I'm not saying all men because, you know, mm. that's uh, right. It's not too. all men. It's not all it's men. It's not all men. No, no, no. no. But uh, the same thing was said to me uh, in my first marriage. It's like, if you would, you know, and then insert comment here. If you would do this, we could be so much better off. If you did, it was always something, you know, I'm not even going to go into the list because it was, it was always something, you know, when I met him, I was a good size. And then we ate out all the time and I got big. If Mm -hmm. you would lose weight, if you would, you know, it's like, 
So, and, and I know at the end he couldn't say it, but I, I told him, I said, oh, now you're going to tell me if I would only accept your girlfriend, then we would be fine. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which, you know, he didn't like that, but, um, you know, he always talked about, you know, people were, uh, he was going to get people for a defamation of character. I'm like, it's not defamation if it's true. Right. So um, that's, I understand that, but it wasn't something that triggered me to fall into, um, and now I'm going to use depression for me, uh, that it didn't, it didn't, it made me mad is what it did, but uh, enough to, to walk away. And, and not everyone can walk out of the environments that they are in. Right. So yeah. with you going through situations with, with a man mistreating you and lying to you and manipulating you, and that would trigger you into this, this uh, sense of, of, um, of bipolar where you felt unsafe. Yeah. Constantly, day in and day out. Oh my gosh! Yeah, that I never felt safe with him ever. And it and he's not even the kind I've been beaten before. I mean, Mm -hmm. he he's he's what they call a covert narcissist. Mm, And I would joke about it. Like he, I watch TV, right? And Mm -hmm. I love stories I write stories I write poems I write I write Mm -hmm. because it's a it's so pleasurable and I suggest everyone do it because once you get involved with your pen or your computer or whatever it is such a beautiful place to be and see your words and you just celebrate them even the bad ones yeah but my husband he was like my mom. He never fostered any of my thoughts. He never, you know, I, I always pictured my friends, people who are truly my friends, like you, like the podcast, like Mm -hmm. NOMT is that we are friends without obligation. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Like my words don't mean anything to anybody no one's codependent on my words no one makes the my words about them or no one hijacks my words Mm -hmm. and hurts me by being offended or you know not offended but displeased with anything that I say and everyone on the podcast is so they and kitty rebellion you know, you, Kitty Rebellion, though, I mean, it's like somebody that works to understand you, like mm-hmm. tries to understand. I have never had that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and coach and you. Um, and it's such a relief. It's so different from what you've what you've um, surrounded yourself with. I mean, and it wasn't something that you did you know, consciously, I mean, no, I didn't, I didn't, no, and then you talked about friends, too, who were like that, also, that uh, high school, and, and those that didn't, um, didn't treat you the way you treated them, so, 
I think this is so I maybe I'm speculating here. You know, here you have these three friends and uh, we don't treat you um, in any way like that, like people. Right. In your, and I feel that now that you have that, it's like it may have you questioning um, these other behaviors even more. So maybe I'm been, I've had a day to think about this. So mm-hmm. I was thinking that because this has happened to me, like you, when someone treats you right and it's sincere, it's not like someone trying to be nice to you to get something from you, right. but if you're treated a certain way and you're like, wait a minute, this is true. And it's yes. questioning everyone else in the past. And it's yes. like, maybe right now what you're feeling is like, okay, this has happened all this time. And from now it's like, like the Phoenix just rising on up and that's it. You're, I don't it's only ignore the universe. Yeah. I don't ignore my friends. I don't, mm-hmm. if, if I feel like, look, if I feel like I stuck my thumb in a friend's pain body, you know the little hurt place in your brain? The the one where maybe your dad kicked your dog one time or like just that that thing that hurt you. Yeah. Yeah. And I stick my thumb in that. Ouch. <laughs> and I don't mean to, but I hurt you. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Like yeah. I wanna be sorry and I wanna say I'm sorry and I don't wanna do that anymore. Right. Because I know what it feels like mm-hmm. to not be loved for who you are. Yeah. Without masks, without anything, or even when you are not at your best. You, right? you got to know that your friends are still there to love you. Well, it's like being pan. Mm-hmm. You know, my mom passed away before I could rub it in her face. <laughs> <laughs> But I did manage to get a bunch of tattoos. So mm-hmm. that was a good dig. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. You know, <laughs> she said, she said, Edith, your grandfather's going to turn over in his grave. And yeah. I said, he had eight of them. <laughs> he was in the military. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Lady. Yeah. wake up (laughs) yeah she everything she didn't want in a child she manifested Mm -hmm. I was everything yeah but that's for another podcast no (laughs) but she didn't she I, I feel that she didn't know um how to I don't know how to accept how to love and how to to um, nurture a child that was not what she expected you know everyone expects oh the little you know the perfect little Gerber baby image and you know that sleeps through the night and doesn't have colic and all that and then you have this child that's you know that talks back and and yeah. questions you and it's like oh you're the, you're a horrible daughter. You're this, and you, you hear that you hear. And it's because you as, now I'm not saying you, the child didn't live up to the expectation of the mother. 
That's I, it, though. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. it in, in a nutshell is, mm-hmm. is, is I was everything. She didn't really start accepting me until I would say the week she died. Mm. Yeah. She, wow. um, I've always been into nutrition mm-hmm. and studying it for 20 years. Everything, every aspect of nutrition, I have studied it. And I, I pretty much, I had epilepsy as a child. And through all my reading, I found out there's something called hypoglycemic epilepsy. Mm-hmm. Why I can't seem to get one doctor to talk about it with me, I have no idea. And one of the books I was reading talked about the ketogenic diet for epileptics. Mm-hmm. So I have been practicing this diet for uh, on and off for 30 years plus. Okay. Yeah. You know, it works. You know, yeah. it works. It totally works. Even if you just pick pick better carbs, mm-hmm. it works. Yeah. Like, so if you just lower your 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 sugars and your your carbohydrates and and you just put yourself in the deficit there, especially for women, yeah, um, there will be less hormone triggers, less uh, insulin resistance. And, okay. Uh, I learned that. Mm-hmm. And, and it uh, works for you. So, yeah, yeah, of course, you've been doing it this long and and it works and you know that it works. But people who don't know anything and don't even want to question it or even want to learn about it. Yeah. Mistreat you. They will mistreat yep. you. They'll make fun of you. Yeah, I've seen that, too. It's girl. I mean, I am 56 years old. I have seen it. Um in family, in relationships, I've seen it. And, and even as a teacher, you know, with coworkers or maybe with parents, oh my gosh, it's like, I could do whole podcasts just on that alone. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Look, my mom would, I, I, my mom would say, uh, we don't have any of your food over here. Mm-hmm. tonight so you we won't be I'm sorry we won't have any food for you because we won't have what you like to eat and I yeah. said mom <laughs> I'll find something yes. right <laughs> like that that's how I've had to deal with her in my yeah. whole life is that she's been so involved in my life that I wasn't allowed to grow up yeah. until she was completely gone. I wasn't allowed to wake up. The but, week after her death, I just have to say one more thing. No, no, no. The week after her death, I had a friend call me and say that she needed help transporting a patient to um, Boston for a MS trial. Mm-hmm. And she couldn't go. And could I go? And mind you, this is a, a little girl that hasn't done anything, hasn't really flown a whole lot of places. And and especially since COVID, mm-hmm. you know, this was pre-COVID. So traveling was a lot easier, was more like an Airbus. Um, I said, okay, 
it was a thousand dollars for three days, which I think is fair. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we, we flew first class, but this is how little I knew about people then, but I had to stand up for myself. And I realized that, um, so we were going to the airport and, we're all in the van and everything's good and we're going and we get there and the wife of, or the mother-in-law of the patient said, where's the vent? And she looks at me and Mm -hmm. I said, why are you looking at me? And she goes, well, you're the nurse. Mm -hmm. And I said, I literally got there five minutes before you were ready to leave. I said, I think the vent, was your responsibility. Mm. I had to stand up for myself. Yeah. And know my truth. And mind you, my bipolar was buzzing. (laughs) You're like, come on, girl, I got you. Oh, (laughs) I had to stand up for myself Mm -hmm. because these people were, they were oblivious. I was, I could tell if I didn't stand up for myself the whole trip that I was I was going to be screamed at and yelled at. So I left no room for error. I didn't say a lot. I answered yes or no, because these, these were narcissistic people. Mm-hmm. The patient was a smoker and has eaten garbage food his entire life. And was not going to change for, right. for anyone. Yes. That's right. Mm-hmm. But was going to fly to Boston for this trial. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 That's hard. See how you have to your your reality has to be tight. Yeah. Because they could yell at you and say it was all your fucking fault. Uh, and, uh, yeah. Yeah. And you but, would you would believe them if you didn't if your reality wasn't tight. Yeah. And and I see that. But I'm wondering in the back of your mind when all this was going on, did you still even though your mother was gone, did you still hear her? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Just shut up. Just shut up. No one cares. Yeah. You know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So y- even though they're gone, even though they were negative, even though they hurt us, you know, there they are. They're still there. They left. They're etched in there. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you want to know something interesting that since she's died, my father has been healing. Mm -hmm. He was dealing with his, his bipolar was, was so out of control. He, he had five strokes in one year and I had to say to my mom, quit smoking in the fucking house. Mm -hmm. I mean it. I said, if you, I will, I will open up a rash of shit on your old 76 year old ass if you don't quit smoking in the house yeah and they don't stop they don't care oh they're they are first she quit though she quit around she quit. you or for sure no uh, no just around in the house in okay. the in the newly remodeled home that we fixed for her all of her mm-hmm. children yeah she was smoking in there she told us we i promise i won't smoke in there Mm -mm. 
But because of her narcissism and her inability to have any kind of will of her own, everybody else had to deal with her cigarettes. Of course. You know? Yeah. That's the narcissism. She just, you know, even up until the day she died, I had to handle her death. Yeah. No daughter should ever have, I don't think, have to do that. Yeah. I did it. I had to handle my father's death, but he died of cancer when I was 23. And uh, my mother's death, I did most of the paperwork and stuff and she didn't leave a will. She lied. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) Like, Oh my God, lady. So that was hard. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So it, once I did that, you know, you, you do it twice, you know, you, and I was okay. Um, and then my cousin dealt with the death of her husband last year. And it was the first time she had ever, ever, ever had to deal with oh, death. Oh, poor and, baby. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. And <clears throat> we're, she's like 18 months older than I am. And, and she's like, I was there. I was at her house. And she's like, how did you do it? You know, when your parents died and you're, you know, how did, and I was like, you just, you just, you're just there. You just, I don't know how I did it, but I did it for my part of my grandmother too. And I don't know, it's, I'm not saying it gets easier, but, um, you know, you just have to, you just do it, but it's, it's so hard when, even though they're gone, it's like, they're, they're still in your mind and, and in things that you do. So I'm lucky with my dad, you know, he, he wasn't, uh, he wasn't around my childhood. He was one of those, he was a musician. So he was, and he, it wasn't cause he was traveling for music. He just wasn't that kind of dad. Oh I'm, yeah. Yeah. I was raised by my grandparents, but my mother, I don't know. She, that, 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 let's just have that in another day. That's another episode. I want to, <laughs> it's like, nah, let's not, um, I just want to I'm understand. I'm sorry. Did you hear me kissing my dog? <laughs> you do what it takes, girl. <laughs> I was kissing him. So I just, I, I hope that this episode was a learning experience. Uh, I know it has been for me. And I feel that it's, um, that there's a, a little bit of a similarity to, um, having lived that with someone suffering through depression. So I feel like a little part of it. Okay. I could see that um, things that may trigger. And I'm not the hooting and hollering and then, and swearing at work and fuck my job. And no, I'm going to, Hey, I'm going to steal this chicken from whole foods. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Things like that. No, But um, <laughs> I just, I want to help you. Um, I want to be there for you as, you know, if you ever need me. Um, I have, there's, you know, little things that, um, you know, with, with friends, with family, I see little things sometimes and, and I, I want to be more compassionate. Yeah. And I feel that this episode may help someone, if not, I mean, if they don't understand it, that's fine. Um, but the, the, as far as being 
a little bit more compassionate for, for friends and family and just being there. And what I'm taking from this is to listen more and instead of demanding to take control of the situation. Right. And yeah. if you don't know what that looks like, when you take control is when you insert your definition onto another person's reality. Right. Right. And okay. we don't want to do that, that. That is, is infringement. That's abuse. Mm-hmm. And, and then you're altering their reality. Yeah. And my reality has to be the truth. Yeah. And I have to surround myself with people who are true. So, you know, we have so many people who are like in sexy outfits and the eyelashes and, you know, the constant, you know, makeup and um, not swearing and just that's what I can't be around. Yeah. Like the housewives crap. Yeah. Okay. That's those kind of people really set me off. And then there's the covert ones. You can't really see them Mm -hmm. acting. So you just have have to figure it out like this. It's do they, do they say and do, does it match? Yeah. Right. It has to say something and then do what they say they're going to do. And if they don't, you need to walk away. That's right. That's it. Yeah. Don't, yeah. don't, don't waste your energy. Because a bipolar person who's attached will go, oh, but they meant well. Yeah. Oh, they meant well. No, they didn't. No, they didn't. When you have to defend someone by saying that they meant well and you're saying it over and over, you kind of need to stop. Yeah. 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 All right. So well, what do you think? Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. This has been eye opening for me too. Okay. And um thank you for interviewing me on your podcast past level fifty, which we're all on this crazy journey of yes. being over fifty and and let's just show each other the love and kindness and empathy that we need ourselves. Awesome. And it's we're I think it's gonna happen, you know, just by listening and being there for each other. Right. So yeah, I'll leave you with that. Talk to you later. Peace out. Word to your mother. <laughs> Bye. Bye. I want to thank Edith for such an insight into her life in dealing with bipolar disorder. Just knowing the symptoms of someone who is dealing with this is so helpful. That feeling of being pessimistic about things or feeling sad, hopeless, the lacking of the energy, the losing of the interest in daily activities. There are so many symptoms that we need to be aware of. But what I really am taking from all of this is the listening, listening to the person who is dealing with the episode because they are episodes.
Coping with bipolar disorder isn't easy. But if you know someone or a family member or someone is struggling, you know that there's help out there. NAMI and NAMI affiliates out there, which is the National Alliance on Mental Illness, are there to help you provide support for you and your family. So if you need help, call the NAMI hotline at 1-800-950-NAMI, which is 6264. Or you can reach out at info at NAMI.org. They will help you and guide you in finding the support and resources that you may need. Thank you.